Hey everybody, today I want to talk about how a five-letter word used out of context can completely change how we understand a passage and potentially give us views that the Bible never intended us to have. Let's dive in. Hey everybody, I hope you're having a great week so far. As always, thank you for stopping by and checking out the channel. If you haven't subscribed yet, the button is right down there. All you gotta do is click it. I also wanna give a huge thank you to all of our Patreon partners. Without you guys, videos like this wouldn't even be possible. The link is in the description below if you wanna join in on the vision. With all of that out of the way, today I wanna do a quick, quicker, somewhat quick, passage slash word study to show how our English translation Bibles can completely miss it sometimes and how we as Christians can completely create theological misunderstandings based on these errors found in our translations. So grab your coffee, grab your Bible, grab whatever you need, settle in, get comfortable, and let's take a look. Before we dive into the main passage today, I wanna to show you what word we're gonna focus on first. The word in question today is world. Let's start off with a simple passage where this word is misused, and it's honestly pretty obvious. Let's head to Luke 2 verse 1. I'm going to start off reading this verse in the New King James Version, but then after, what I'm going to do is pop up five different versions of this scripture so you can see what the differences are, and we can see how many translations actually get this right. Spoiler alert, it's not that great. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, once again, the word we're looking for here is world. Let's take a look at five of the translations. The first thing we have to ask ourselves here is the obvious question. Do we really think Caesar Augustus sent a census out to the entire world? based on some of these translations, that seems to be what these Bibles are trying to tell us. To me, the answer is clearly no. For one, Caesar didn't have access to the entire planet. Two, good luck getting other kingdoms to sign on to you sending a census to their people. That wouldn't even work by today's standards. So what's more likely here is that Caesar sent out a census to the entire Roman Empire, not the world. Let's see how our five translations held up. Out of the five popular translations I picked here, only the NIV got it right. The Amplified gets it half right, at least they put the context in parentheses, but they still use the word world. The other translations here completely miss it. Based on our five translations, Luke 2 verse 1 gets one and a half stars out of five for English accuracy. So if we jump into our concordance, which I have a hard copy that I never use, you can find an app on your phone to do exactly the same thing. If we jump into it, we can see the Greek word here for world is actually oikumene. Oikumene. The concordance here gives us some possible usages and definitions of this word. The first is the inhabited earth. The second is the Roman Empire, all the inhabitants of Rome. The third, the whole inhabited earth, the entire planet. So without being fluent in Greek, we have to kind of use our rational brain here to see what's going on. That being said, definition two seems the most likely. Caesar didn't send out a census to the entire planet. He sent out a census to the Roman Empire. Now. All of these translations, like the NIV, could have easily said the Roman Empire, but instead they're forcing the idea of world. 
I didn't write these translations, and I don't have access to the people who did, but I would be very interested to see why they chose the word world instead of Roman Empire. Now, you might be thinking, come on, man, this is one little word, and it doesn't really impact the context of the overall story. And sure, maybe, I'll give you that. But let's look at the same word, world, in another verse where it's absolutely misused and completely misunderstood. And since the NIV won our last translation test, let's use that translation to read the next verse. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, before we go deeper into this verse, I want to go back and look at some context so we better understand why the word world here is misused. Romans 12 starts off with a therefore, so it's always a good idea to go back a chapter and find out what it's there for. Now, I encourage you to go back and read Romans 11 by yourself at some point, but I'll give you a quick rundown. In Romans 11, Paul is addressing the Jews and the Gentiles about how the Gentiles have now been grafted into the faith because of what Jesus did on the cross. While at the same time, Paul is also rebuking the Jewish people who rejected Jesus and wanted to continue to follow the law, and Paul goes on to say that they have been broken off from the tree, that they are the branches that have been thrown away. We have to remember here that literal sacrifice was a huge deal to the Jewish people of that time and their primary function of worship. This sacrifice was required by the law of Moses. Paul is giving us an image of the new covenant here in chapter 12 by saying there is no more requirement of sacrifice because we are no longer under the law, but rather our bodies are now a living sacrifice just as Jesus was. Paul is letting us know that this is what makes us holy. This is what pleases God, that we become living sacrifices. It goes on to say that this is our true and proper worship, as opposed to the traditional Jewish concept of worship, which was literal sacrifice. Verse 2 is where we see that word world pop up and where it completely changes the concept that Paul is trying to communicate. Most popular translations here say, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. How many of us heard this verse in youth group? Or maybe you heard it from a pulpit telling you to not conform to the cultures of the world around you. And while this sounds great as a sentiment, I want to be very clear. This is 100% not what Paul is trying to communicate here. The word world here is actually the word aeon in the Greek. Let's look at our concordance again to look at the different definitions it gives us. The first is the world or the entire universe. The second is an unbroken age or eternity. And the third is a period of time or age. The best replacement word here for the word world should be the word age. Your concordance even goes so far to say aeon, an age, or more specifically, a messianic period of time. We also know this because if we look at the word aeon, in most of its other uses in the New Testament, it signifies 
a period of time or an age, not necessarily the physical planet. So what Paul is actually trying to communicate to us here is not that we shouldn't be conformed to the patterns of this world or this culture, but Paul was really trying to show us that we shouldn't be conformed to the pattern of the age that came before, the age of the old covenant, the age of the Mosaic law. What Paul is doing here is reinforcing that we are no longer under the law. And if you've read any of Paul's letters, you know that this concept is not a stretch because he harps on it consistently. Once again, Paul is saying, do not be conformed to the patterns of the old sacrificial system of the law. Then and only then will you be able to test what is the perfect will of God. From verse 3 and onwards, Paul goes on to tell us what becoming a living sacrifice actually looks like. So I hope you're starting to see how one word, world, out of context can completely change a verse's meaning and even further create theological misunderstandings that become normalized in modern Christianity. Let's be honest, have you ever used that verse incorrectly? I know I have. How many times have you heard a pastor from a pulpit use it incorrectly? I can't even count the times. This is why it's so important for us not just to read our English Bibles for face value, but to dig deep and find out what the authors originally intended for us to understand. Reading our English translation Bibles can sometimes be a lot like the game Telephone. The original manuscripts of the Bible are absolutely infallible and holy, but by the time it gets to us, Americans who speak English in 2021, some things may have been skewed. Does this mean the word of God is fallible? Absolutely not. It just means that our translations are. The awesome part is all of these original manuscripts, the original Greek, the original Hebrew, all still exist and at any point we can go find out what the authors originally intended for us to understand. So a little homework, a fun study you can do is go find the word aeon in your scriptures and find all the other places in the New Testament where it may have been misunderstood or misused. Does the translation you like to read the most pop in the word age or do they just slap the word world in its place? You may be shocked what you find. As always, I hope this helps you. I hope it pushes you. I know this is a little bit shorter of a video, but I wanna make it a regular practice to put some of these short form ideas out there, not to give you a total theological foundation to build from, but to get your brain working and to get you digging into the scriptures you're already reading. I hope this brings you more clarity as we're all digging deeper into finding out who God really is. Remember, truly understanding your Bible will always leave bad religion defenseless. You guys are awesome. Until next time, peace.